Good, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Borg and Betts, we're recording our round one reactions, but Betts, you're getting my morning voice. And I, so it's kind of a good else. thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are all getting each other's morning voice this morning. Uh, it is 5.15 a.m. on the East Coast right now. We are, you know, we, we're old men. We can't stay up for the draft. We can't stay up super late anymore these days. But I made it through pick 30, Kyle. 30 last night before I had to finally hit the hay knowing that we were going to do this in the morning um, to make sure we could get this out to you guys before round two started. So we're here. It is officially like coffee time with Kyle and Betts, but oh my gosh, I'm exhausted, but I'm equally as excited, man, because what a night it was. I mean, there's just something about a good morning voice, the NFL draft, cup of coffee. It's it's going to be a great way to start your morning, your Friday. Um, dude, what's funny is I actually went to bed. At pick 30, I said, I'm done. So we didn't even plan that. So just uh, yeah. if anyone asks, I, I did see, you know, what what went on right after that last two picks. But um, yeah, we're going to get to give our really simple emotional reactions. We'll walk through our battle royale and then talk about some of the changes or things that changed in our outlook, some surprises and Bets, you and I can also just look at this rookie class and rookie of the year pick that we talked about last week and has that changed at all? So real quick, let's just let's screw the quick question, man. Who cares? We don't need it. I just need your raw emotion of how you felt yesterday. Well, there was a lot of excitement, right? Because, I mean, I, I feel like this year more than ever. I, I don't know why it was, but this year more than ever, probably just because, you know, there was just so much tied up in what happened at pick three that you you really couldn't predict the rest of the draft until you knew what that pick was. And so, you know, there was that kind of nervous energy throughout the the entire day. Um, but also filled with excitement to see kind of really what San Francisco was going to do and how it affected the rest of the draft. I thought it was a great draft. I thought there was uh, a lot that made sense. I thought there was also equally <laughs> amount that didn't make sense to me at a time, which we'll talk about here in a second. But overall, I think it was a great night. Um, and it felt good to get some of our calls that we had taken a pretty good stance on early in the process. Uh, see that come to fruition. We'll talk about Justin Fields soon. Uh, however, there was a lot that we got right. So that was fun to see. And hopefully our listeners uh, had a fun night. Yeah. If you just go back and listen to last week, then, you know, there's parts where we hit on perfectly and really we're in lockstep and we'll go through a couple of those picks. Uh, but I felt overall pretty great about the process. I'll just say emotionally for me, a lot was t- tied up in Justin Fields, you and I, uh, because, and I think for fantasy Twitter as a whole, because this is somebody that we thought would be the number two prospect before the season, after the season, like the college football season. So uh, yes, it was a tumble all the way to 11 Chicago, but I just think there's a lot tied up there for us. And so I'll even say as a Falcons fan, I had mixed emotions when we picked at four. I, I picked us to pick pits. I thought it was a right pick, but honestly, like when we picked him, I was like, Oh man, it could have been fields. I mean, there's just so much more <laughs> tied into that. So, um, yeah, I just I'd say like emotionally, 
it was kind of this collective like, okay, this is this is where this is going. All right, let's keep moving. Let's see where the things head. And really, it was an awesome round one, especially when you saw so many offensive players. Like you, you just saw so many players at the top just get elevated up there. And um, so it was it was pretty great pretty great night. But I want to make sure that every single person knows about the ultimate draft prize pack. If you enter by this Sunday, May 2nd, which is also Jason Moore's birthday, you can tell him on Twitter. Oh, baby. You have to do it now, right? I mean, come on. I mean, do it for Jason. Do it for his birthday if you care about him being born. You need to (laughs) buy, you need to check out the UDK. And specifically for us, Bets, we get to be a part of the UDK Plus, which is included this year, a Dynasty Pass and a DFS Pass, which is what we contribute every single week. But if you... Go online and you've ordered it or you've already ordered. If you've already pre-ordered the 2021 UDK, here's where you get bets. Tell me if tell me if you're interested in this because I don't actually have any of these things. A listener league entry. Yes, please. Video draft review from the footballers where they personalize, they look at your draft and the three of them just spend time looking at just your draft. Have they ever done that for you? <laughs> Not at once. We're employees, and they've never done any of this. Assign Devonte Adams jersey. I hear he's good. He's not bad. He's not a bad wide receiver. We don't know who his quarterback's going to be. But he's not a bad wide receiver either. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is assigned Ceh jersey, who I'm really bullish on this year. So you get an awesome entry into that. The Ultimate Draft Prize Pack. If you go to ultimatedraftkit.com, that's just something you want to take advantage of over the weekend. If you've already pre-ordered, like I said, you're entered to win. And then on top of that, today, Friday. The Ballers will be doing a live stream at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, where they're going to give their rapid uh, round one reaction. So you get our morning voice. You kind of get their afternoon. They've thought about it. They've chilled. Uh, but you can go to BallersLive.com to do that. So uh, it will be something you need to be a part of. But let's talk about these rookies. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. So Betts, let's just talk about how the board unfolded because you and I, last week, we had a DFS battle royale. We went and talked about the betting favorites for each pick, the betting values. Uh, So off the board, number one was Trevor Lawrence. We knew that was happening. That was a done deal. Now, you and I had a little bit still at stake at pick two with the Jets. So any feelings or thoughts about them just taking Zach Wilson. I mean, that was the chalk. That's what we had in ours and everyone did, but man, there was a still small chance. I thought it would be somebody else. Yeah, no, I, th- I think the, the process to be like, Hey, like what if, you know, what if it is, is Justin Fields? Um, I think it was still right from a perspective is, is that we weren't out there like touting this pick as like, Oh, this is going to be fields. We were saying there is a non-zero chance that it could be. And the price that the betting markets had pr- had priced it at, was worth a long shot bet. So still feel totally fine about the, hey, what if? we The Jets never told us who they're actually going to take. Um, but yeah, no surprises there with Zach Wilson. Um, and this is, a, I think, a good learning opportunity too for us to kind of take away. Like When you're looking at this, if you are putting money on the draft, then you have to sort of you know separate your personal feelings and your personal bias of what you would do. And we were vocal all along. We were not shy that we would have taken Justin Fields at two and at three and potentially at four. But there was reports that maybe the NFL was down on this player. And so, yeah, it made a ton of sense that those reports were coming out. All the best mock drafters in the industry had Zach Wilson here. So it made sense. Uh, and obviously, we saw those two come off the board um, as chalk. 
Yeah, and you know, if the Jets wanted to draft somebody who's in high school, that's cool. I mean, I get it. I totally understand that, that they want to <laughs> get younger. But yeah, no, he. I, I showed that to my wife. I showed the picture. If you didn't see it on Twitter, Zach Wilson getting ready before the draft, and I said, "How old do you think this man is?" And she goes, "I don't know. I don't know if I'd call him a man. He's like seventeen. What is he? What is this guy from? Is, <laughs> am I supposed to know who this is?" It's like, no, this guy is about to make millions of dollars and change the future of a lot of people's jobs. Uh, So, yes, it was Zach Wilson at two. But the big story is at three with the 49ers. It was back and forth for a long time. For one, you know, it was Mac for one week. We had that week where you and I were on fields and the fields was the favorite. And then right up until draft time, Trey Lance entered into the favorites. So if you didn't have a chance to place a wager, sorry. Uh, things changed a lot, but what did you think about this 49ers pick and what we can learn? Cause it kind of goes with what we're talking about before. Like we would have taken fields, but Lance was sure in the conversation the whole time. Yeah. I mean, to me, if you're going to mortgage the future in ter- terms of trading a significant amount of draft capital for the Niners to go up that far, to get a quarterback that could potentially be your franchise Super Bowl winning quarterback. It never, ever, ever made sense to a lot of people that it would be Mac Jones. And it's not because Mac Jones can't win in the NFL. It's just that you probably could have got Mac Jones where you were already drafting before. We saw him fall to the Patriots at 15. And it's that kind of the reason. Like, he should have been going there all along, in my opinion. So I'm happy with the choice that this is kind of what their their approach is, to go up and get their guy. People may not think Trey Lance is ready to compete in the NFL day one, myself included, but that doesn't mean that long term, this isn't the right selection, so to speak. So I think it gives them a little bit of time too. like they could start Jimmy G if they want to in year one, let Trey Lance develop a little bit. But to me, this was the right pick based off of how the NFL game is um, changing over time, right? We're seeing these mobile quarterbacks become more of the norm. And we're also seeing these upside quarterbacks that you need to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And so if you're going up that far to mortgage it, it makes a ton of sense to me in the world for Trey Lance. I will say, though, well, in regards to the Justin Fields stuff, this is a great learning opportunity to not necessarily be like locked into what you did and then just kind of sit there and be like, well, I hope. Right. There was writing all over the wall that it wasn't right. going to be Fields. So I made a couple of bets yesterday during the day. I was like, this looks like I lost. Like, I'm just going to accept the L and kind of hedge a little bit. So I'm happy that I did that. I did have some Trey Lance at three. I did have some Mac Jones over four and a half. I even hit Mac Jones at over three and a half to try to you know cover up my bases. So it's a good learning opportunity to say, you know, usually you kind of have a, a take that you like or a, a bet that you like, and then you just kind of sit there and let it ride. Um, but sometimes the information changes and you need to adjust accordingly. For sure. And the information, I think, is what we as a people in general that just love, you know, any story that comes out, we have a hard time distilling what actually matters and what doesn't matter. And so for weeks, you'd have Schefter say, I've heard that teams think that maybe it will be, you know, it wasn't always a definitive thing. Now, there were, were some people in the media that what were much more definitive, but Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch never came out and said anything specific. But at towards the end, it became clear to me that Justin Fields probably wasn't in the mix. I mean, I probably gave him a 5-10% shot on draft night, if I was honest. Um, and then it was kind of 50-50 you know, the 50-50 split the rest of the way between Lance and Mac Jones. So it, it just goes to show if you are in a position where you can hedge like Betts did, then that's that's really the best way to do it is have a strong conviction early. That's really where you can take advantage. But then you're going to see that things move and they did shift like it shifted from Lance being third in this to first 
uh, in the betting market. So 49ers were there. And then at four was my Falcons. And we both mocked Kyle Pitts there. I think a, a lot of people in the last week or so just said, hey, this Pitts seems like the pick if they stay there. Uh, any other thoughts about the Falcons? Like, was this the right football move, though? I think you can, could have made the case either way to either try to trade back and see if they can get a significant haul to collect a lot of draft capital for the future. But it also tells us a lot about what the team is thinking. And, you know, everyone that knows football, you know, like the back of their hand that's been doing this for years as a scout, all you hear about Kyle Pitts is like, this dude doesn't come around very often. And if you think he can be a franchise altering player, you take him. So it makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I also like the commitment to Matt Ryan, right? Like we talked about that a couple weeks ago, about how we still think he has a couple years left. This roster is good and this division is not great compared to where it was a couple of years ago. So right. um, I think there's a, a good chance that this changes the way, not that we view the Falcons because we've been all over the, the over seven wins for a while now, but I think <laughs> that it even with them since further, birth. <laughs> you've been all about it for years. <laughs> every single year I'm, I'm always over some wins um but i think that it, it kind of further supports that like they're gonna do they what they can to win right now and so that's gonna be fun to watch for fantasy and obviously uh for dfs this year yeah Pitts is gonna be fun i think in redraft he's gonna go too high that there's no chance he's probably gonna be on any of my rosters now but he'll be fun to play in dfs um i think it'll just be another person we can put in the mix uh, and stack with the Falcons. So I'm excited from that. And like when we talk about Falcons games, there's just lots of different scenarios and ways that, you know, you can utilize him. But Falcons had Kyle Pitts. I'll talk more about them. I'm, I'm going to get a Kyle Pitts jersey. So just consider that done. And also realize this, when somebody has the same name as you, I don't know if this happens to you, Bets, when you meet another Matt or Matthew, there's something that rises up in me that's like, I, I either am going to be best friends with you or I have to destroy you. Because I'm Kyle. That's my name. Are you like an evil version of Kyle? Or are you are you good? And I think I like Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you, don't wanna, you don't want to go up against Kyle Pitts. So I think you just take the L on that one. I think I think he'll appreciate that fact that uh, that we're buddies and it'll be fine. But Bengals at five. This was one of the other turning points where you and I had something different. And what's funny is I got the pick right. Jamar Chase. I don't think it was the right pick for them. I think you actually had the right pick and it is what it is. But Jamar Chase, there's the LSU connection. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people had Chase under six and a half and I think or under five and a half, depending on when you placed your wager. But from a football perspective, from a team building perspective, I don't really understand. I can't justify the fifth overall pick to a player that's more like a top 10 player. But um, yeah, Bengals, this is what they're going to do. Who knows how early they're going to get Burrow back, if, if we're honest. like, wh where's, What do you think on that timeline? If you had to guess right now, is he like a week four or five kind of guy? Well, the tricky part is that the discussion with whether or not he's on the field week one versus how he performs week one is a completely different conversation. You know, I do think there's a realistic scenario that he is active and starts in the first week of the regular season. But is he going to be himself on the field Probably not. You know, he's a pretty mobile quarterback, especially in the pocket in college. He averaged like 27 yards uh, per game rushing. So he's an underrated runner of the football. We're not going to see that coming off a multi-ligament injury uh, with additional damage inside the knee joint. So I think that he will be ready to play. I'm just not sure what Joe Burrow we're going to see early in the season, but I do think he's ready to play close to week one. 
I need to uh, toot my own horn for just a second because one of my strongest convictions in this pre-draft process was exposing a narrative that was the Bengals offensive line is so bad. Therefore, we know they're taking Sewell. And yes, their offensive line was bad. But if you look at some of their moves, they got Riley Reef, who's a great starting uh, left tackle. He's older, but they paid seven million for him. They have Jonah Williams. Like it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to take a lineman in round one. And a lot of those sacks last year were actually Burrow's fault. If you go back and either watch the film, you look at statistics, he held on the ball for a long time. So I just wanted to say in terms of the process, if you hear a narrative like that, it doesn't mean it's always false or it's always true, but just write it down and actually look at it. Like, is their O-line so bad that they have to take Sewell? Like it was so bad, but it didn't force them to do that. So just a way to look back. And that's one of the ones I feel more proud about from really weeks ago to say, hey, it's it's possible they don't take this guy. And they didn't. All right. The Dolphins. The Dolphins jumped up and took our boy Jalen Waddle, who, man, I'm excited to talk about him this year, not just from watching Alabama games, but he's just fun. Did you see what he did when they called his name, what he did with his family? No, I missed it. (laughs) So they called his name. He's in the green room. He stands up. His whole family's going crazy and he just exits, doesn't hug anyone, (laughs) doesn't look at anyone. It's just like, looks like he's like, all right, I'm out of here before they do anything. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he was looking pretty fly. So what do you think about Jalen Waddle at six? Yeah, there was a lot of steam on Jalen Waddle uh, about two weeks ago for him to be a top 10 pick. And that teams are really starting to get excited about Waddle. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with the Waddle before Devonta Smith Waddle Waddle. prop that was out there. Waddle Waddle. Uh, so that was good to come come to fruition. Then we also were really on the under 11 and a half. Um, I think his line closed at like nine and a half, if I remember correctly, from yesterday. Um, so it was good to kind of see that movement go in the right direction. But yeah, for for Jalen Waddle, this team, I mean, they want speed, right? You got Will Fuller. He was a burner. Jalen Waddle is as fast as Henry Ruggs. And, you know, people are going to hear that and be like, well, bets, you know, Henry Ruggs didn't do much his rookie year. But to me, this is a completely different player. So I'm excited. And I think they're doing the right thing with supporting Tua with playmakers. Because, again, we talked about it with Jalen Hurts and why we were so excited about the Eagles taking a wide receiver is if you really want to see if this is the guy, if Tua can be the long-term answer, you have to give him playmakers to give him a chance. So I like to pick a lot, a uh, really dynamic player in the open field. So I'm excited to see how he performs as early as year one. Yeah, and a lot of people look at Jalen Waddle and see the lack of overall production, but on a per-game basis, the dude was awesome. Like, we were looking at yards per route run. He was, like, just behind Devonta Smith this past year, like, barely behind him. So... He's going to be awesome. We really liked his profile. We really liked his production in terms of like per game. Uh, So he was there at six, the Dolphins. We don't have to spend a ton of time on the Lions. At seven, they took Panay Sewell. But I will say, uh, if the board broke a certain way and we saw the Dolphins and the Bengals both take wide receivers, then Sewell was a value. But I don't think many people mocked him to this spot because the Lions actually have a pretty good line. Like they have some... Solid spots. They have Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, um, Odeo Bushi. Like I just did the offensive line write up. I know that sounds really fun of the Detroit Lions, <laughs> but I just want to say this about the line. <laughs> I know Dan Campbell. I know they're going to get crapped on a ton, especially with Jared Goff. Their line is actually going to be something that actually causes me to rethink a little bit using them 
uh, in different formats because they're just they just have some maulers. DeAndre Swift's not just going to sit back there and catch passes like they're going to be able to run the ball. And if they can run the ball, that means Jared Goff can actually have some play action. Now, who he's throwing to, I have no idea. But let's not write off the the Lions right away as just, okay. we're never thinking about them again. Um, I want to talk about this because you nailed this one. Pick eight Carolina Panthers. We both had Rashawn Slater, but you were all about J.C. Horn especially in this last week leading up, you tweeted this out the day before you said JC Horn first defensive player taken. What was the line on that one? Uh, I got it at plus 200. Yeah. So, so it, was, it was good to tell see me about that thought. Yeah. It was good to see a player that I feel like we kind of talked about, you know, a little bit with his testing. He tested off the charts at his pro day, like 95th percentile or better in every metric teams love that stuff. And he was already a guy who was going to be around one corner. And then we saw Caleb Farley with the injury situation fall pretty far. Shout out to Mr. Farley. Um, and now, you know, we're, we're getting a cornerback that was clearly up there with Sertain in terms of who's going to go first. This is the level that I'm at, Kyle. This is where I'm at in my life, okay? You need to, you're going this path with me. Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, I see on Twitter, I'm like, oh, Jay Glazer's doing a, an IG Live. We're not doing anything else. I'm sitting in my slippers, drinking a cup of tea. I'm like, I'm going to hop on IG Live real quick. Jay Glazer pretty much told us that there were multiple teams on his IG live that wanted a horn over certain that they were neck and neck in the race. He also said he wasn't even sure if both cornerbacks were going to be on the board at the time that they get to pick 10, which everyone had mocked certain to Dallas. So the information is there if you can find it. And I tried to help people do that. Hopefully people hopped on that. I thought it was a great value. I also forgot, and this is going to be really exciting. I also forgot that I had a friend to place a wager for me at JC Horn plus 900 to go as the first corner off the board about two months ago, as soon as news broke with Caleb Farley's injury. So that really was fun to wake up to this morning. My friend texted me last night late. He's like, hey, man, did you remember that you put this bet down? I was like, I had zero clue that that was happening, but I'm extremely happy right now. So that was fun to see. And and obviously, they're getting a great corner who I think uh, fits their scheme very well. Dude, you're gonna get another pair of slippers. It's this is going places. You're you're doing oh, great. Yeah. Um, at pick nine, this was we had Patrick Sertain, and it, nobody mocked him to the the Broncos. I did not see that because they restocked their secondary this offseason. And I texted you. I said this secondary is going to be a problem for people uh, in terms of, and maybe not year one for Sertain. Like it takes a second for corners, but like. The Broncos have built something with their secondary that's going to be able to like really function if they get a quarterback, which they could have got a quarterback. So let me ask you that. Should they have taken fields there? This is another one of those scenarios, you know, like it's my opinion is yes. I think your opinion probably is yes, because we, we didn't even mention that they did trade for Teddy Bridgewater since we've last been on the mic. So they at least have two quarterbacks entering training camp that you could say are viable or at least one that's viable in my opinion with drew lock not being the answer long term and with this being a really solid quarterback class to have him just fall in your lap i think would have made a lot of sense but you know some teams like i said they're, they're just not as high on a player as you know, fantasy twitter or draft twitter is and that's okay so um, i don't hate the pick at all this is a, a franchise altering player in my opinion he's been i mean the the guy coming out of alabama that you knew was going to be a stud taken in the top 10 for weeks and weeks and weeks and months. So I think it's a great pick for them. And obviously, like you said, that defense, man, they are going to be a problem this year and moving forward. 
So at 10, originally it was the Cowboys, and then we actually saw a trade interdivisionally, which you don't see at all, especially between the teams like the Cowboys and Eagles that hate each other. So I was shocked when they announced the trade and like the Eagles uh, moved up two spots, kind of flip-flopped with uh, the Cowboys. So your, your Eagles, when you, you saw the trade, how were you feeling before that was announced? Nervous. But also excited. I, I think we all knew who they were coming up to take as soon as those two corners came off the board. They gave up a third, which, you know, in rookie picks, we're like, oh, it's just a third. In the NFL draft, a third matters a lot to go up and get this player. And we talked about them wanting to correct their mistakes of the last couple of seasons. We'll see if they did that. But I think that they knew there was a lot of noise around uh, Devonta Smith to New York at 11. So even though the Cowboys and the Eagles hate each other, the Giants and Eagles also hate each other, so they were able to go up above the Giants and get that pick. I don't hate it at all. I think it's a great selection to go up and get your guy if you truly feel like he is going to be a difference maker. And we talked about it. You can't enter the, the season with Jalen Hurts, with Greg Ward and Travis Fulham and, and those guys and see if it really works. So I think Devonta Smith is an alpha playmaker, despite the fact that he is a bit undersized, I will say. For sure. And for some people's boards, you know, he was a top five player. So the Eagles may have looked at theirs and said, hey, he was actually our second receiver or I don't know, maybe he was first. He might have been a first ahead of Chase and Waddle on their board. But uh, yeah, I'm excited just to see him. I I got that pick right. I had him at 12, uh, but Eagles move up. Uh, we th- we said Eagles take a wide receiver. You had that nailed as well as one of your prop bets. I think it was plus 120. Uh, it had moved. I think we first got it at plus 150. Okay. Yeah. So that was, I mean, spot on to be able to give that. We thought that maybe that was Waddle territory uh, and Smith ended up there. So he'll be fun. Obviously, there'll be lots of conversations about his weight and how he adjusts the NFL. But dude is a baller. He's going to be fun. All right. So the Giants were there, but then they moved back even further to let the Bears come up and get fields. And I think there was this collective sigh of relief, like, okay, he didn't fall too far. You know, 11 feels fine. And the Bears gave up a ton for him. So that it was like a legitimate move up for the Bears. Uh, what was that from pick 11, uh, 20. So they gave up a haul to say, this guy is going to have to save the franchise. But on top of that, GM Ryan Pace, and their coach basically are in a position where they have to win with this guy. If he doesn't win, or if he doesn't put them in a position where their franchise is just marketable or fun at the quarterback position, at least you could say like Justin Fields is going to bring an element of excitement that maybe, maybe Nick Foles didn't bring last year, and maybe Andy Dalton doesn't have it. So uh, tell me about tell me about Fields to the Bears. Oh, it's 540 in the morning and you're making fun of Nick Falls. Um, I, th- I love it, man. I think this is one of the best picks of the first round. And it's sort of interesting because like you talked about this front office, they're on the hot seat, right? They're they're kind of rumored to be like this. This is their last chance. So to go up and kind of get a player that you could t- potentially have as a franchise altering player and a franchise quarterback while you're on the hot seat is really interesting because I'm not sure it's going to help them win a ton of games in year one. But I love the move in general for the organization. We talked about it. He was pretty high up on our board, everyone's board, draft Twitter's board. So everyone in in fantasy land loves this. But I think it's a great move. You know, you go up and you get your guy. 
you see him falling, you know the Patriots are probably going to take him at 15 if he's there. So to go up ahead of them and, and make the move to do it, uh, I love it. Allen Robinson is going to play with the best quarterback of his career in Justin Fields, which is just insane to even say because he hasn't even thrown a pass yet. Um, but I love the move. I think it's a great pick. Slam dunk for the Bears. Yeah, we'll get to probably talk more about Fields. Do you think that he will start? Is it going to be Dalton week one or do you think it's going to be Fields week one? Man, that's that's a tough one because they've already been pretty vocal about committing to Andy Dalton. But we know how that story goes, right? People, teams say that stuff all the time. Um, I think it's going to be a quarterback competition in, in training camp. I don't have a great take as if he plays as a starter right away, but I do think he will play in year one. There's a strong history of guys that are taken at the quarterback position in the top 10, and now he went 11, so it's not technically right. But um, guys that are taken highly at quarterback, they play in year one. So I do think he'll see the field this year. Yeah, I want to give like a measured thought about it and maybe wait a day or two. But um, right now, I would put the odds in Dalton's favor and then we'll see how how that kind of breaks. But I just believe in Justin Fields, the talent. Um, he's from around here in Georgia, too. So maybe I'm a little biased. Um, these next two picks, uh, the Cowboys took Micah Parsons, which was great for us. We were sweating out a little bit the last day. Uh, Michael Parsons first linebacker taken but that held steady the entire draft process so that felt good if you jumped on that uh, from a football perspective Rashawn Slater sliding all the way to the Chargers is a big deal to me like we both had him at eight to the Panthers so uh, the Chargers who I think are a playoff team or at least they're right there Vegas thinks so this year uh, I think that's it that's a huge deal um 14, the Jets traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, who's going to play guard. Um, it, it's kind of expensive for a guard, but honestly, if uh, he turns out to be somebody who's ready to play day one, be right next to Makai Becton on the line. I looked at the Jets line. It could be a little bit better than you think, but let's talk about Mac Jones at 15. Going to the Patriots, do you feel like that was a good fit for where he's at as a quarterback that like, it seems like Newton's going to be starting right away and then maybe bridge that gap. Yeah, that makes the most sense. I think, um, I mean, the two quarterbacks cannot be more different in terms of how they play the game, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see how they use that situation in year one. I mean, we assume Cam Newton's the guy, but they signed him to backup money and not great backup money, right? Like he's, he's kind of fizzling out here in the NFL. So again, he's, he's a player. I wouldn't be shocked that if things don't go well with the offense, with the scheme that they could lean more on Mac Jones. Um, and I think if they do that, you know, the, the Patriots organization that you trust to put these guys in position to succeed, they'll probably make a, a bunch of moves where, you know, it's, it's layup throws left and right for him in year one. But I do think that they will be able to get the best out of Mac Jones. I mean, it's, it's an offensive scheme that bodes very well for young players to come in and, and contribute right away. So I like to pick, I, I think it makes sense. And like we said, this is kind of where he should have been going in our opinion, or in my opinion, at least, um, all along in terms of talent evaluation. But I do think real quick, if you're playing in like a super flex, you know, league as a, a, a dynasty player, the Mac Jones hate has gone so far. He's going to be a screaming value, in my opinion. And uh, I'm excited to see where he lands if you're playing in that format. It's funny to think if we looked back maybe, I don't know, two months ago and said, hey, here's where I think some players are going. Some of them actually ended up there, but we ended up changing our opinions because of news and rumors and, and whatnot. Um, Julio didn't get traded. Aaron Rodgers didn't get traded, but it was the news that was the uh, the hot smoke of everyone's butts. That's as we like to say 
And some people live Indeed. for that stuff, man. <laughs> All right. So we went, through the t- <laughs> we went through the top 15 picks. Let's kind of do a rapid round right here. I'll throw out a couple of questions and we'll just quickly share uh, our answers to them. So the first one, what was your biggest surprise of round one? Yeah, my biggest surprise. Well, first off, was the Giants trading back? And I told you this. I got a prop that uh, the Giants were going to stay at 11 and pick. And if you hear Dave Kittleman, he talked about not wanting to get fleeced in trades. And so that's why he was like worried about trading back in the NFL draft, which is just I'm not going to get fleeced. It's silly to even say. So I was like, there's no way they don't pick at 11. Of course, they trade back this year when I want to put some money on it. But <laughs> they go back to 20. They take Kadarius Tony, which in my opinion is early based off where I think he probably could have gone or should have gone. But the NFL, like we talked about, is just infatuated with speed. They love this type of stuff. But to me, it's kind of confusing, right? You just spent a ton of money on Kenny Galladay. I think Sterling Shepard is a very good slot wide receiver. Darius Slayton is underrated, in my opinion. It gives Daniel Jones another weapon. But Tony is a guy who's still learning the position. He came into to college at, at Florida as a dual threat quarterback and didn't actually start playing the position. He was kind of a scat back type of guy early in his career at Florida, he's still learning how to play wide receivers. So I don't think we're going to see a lot from him in year one, maybe more of a a punt returner, kick returner type of role. But it it was a confusing move based off of the fact that the Giants are pretty loaded at wide receiver and pass catcher in general, in my opinion. So I would have liked to see them maybe go a different direction, support the offensive line or or on the defensive side of the ball. But to me, it was a head scratcher to see him go that high in the draft. Yeah, I, I, I think most people were trying to figure out what Dave was doing uh dave and the boys g-men um i was i was puzzled by that and we'll talk about tony a little probably a little bit more in a second but for me it was the dolphins passing on a offensive tackle you know they were there at pick six they're at pick 18 they picked jalen phillips at 18 which is totally fine but i just think that their line is a problem like it really is if you look at tua and what he did last year it was actually a lot of it controlled where they said hey we can't protect him so we need to figure out ways to get the ball out of his hands or he's going to throw the ball away or he has these low dot passes. So I just was shocked that at six and at 18 at six, they had Sewell at 18. They had a couple of players that I really liked. Christian Darisaw, um, Tevin Jenkins even is still available in the second round. Maybe they, they can still get him at the top of the third. Uh, maybe that'll change, but I was just shocked. I think they need to focus on that because you're not going to be able to win without a legit offensive line. They even traded away Eric Flowers, one of their only uh, semi-productive guys this past year. So uh, that one puzzled me. What do you think is the best fantasy landing spot? And I I know we feel the same about a certain running back. Yes. Uh, We'll talk about Najee Harris first, I guess. Um, say what you want about the move from an NFL perspective and is it the right decision or not? I personally think it's not the right decision for the franchise. We know that these first round running backs are volatile, can be risky, and we know it doesn't add a lot of wins to your roster in terms of NFL. But for fantasy, look at the depth chart. Like who else is going to compete with Najee Harris to touch the football this year? He is going to be a 250 touch uh, plus back in year one as a rookie. And so I'm excited about him and to see what he can do. He's a really talented back, can catch the football. And we know Big Ben um, historically has involved the running back out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So I truly believe Najee is going to be one of those handful of, of players that's going to step in right away in year one and actually be on the field for all three downs. So very excited about that. Uh, I know you are as well. Yeah, we're just, we can lock him into a heavy workload. I mean, is it Kalen Balaj? No. 
the dude doesn't really even exist on our plane of existence for fantasy. He's great, you know, as a person. I'm not going to knock him, but it's Najee. He's going to get tons and tons of work. And so DFS, we're going to be talking about this guy. Now, their offensive line arguably is the worst in the league right now. So there is something that needs to be fixed there, and maybe they address that and rest their picks. But um, Najee is, was a home run. And I'll just say Devonta Smith is just so smooth. And so it gives Hurts at least some hope that he's throwing to somebody. I've been pretty down on Hurts in this whole process. So I want to rethink a little bit of my thoughts related to Hurts and just say, okay, what is a better medium than kind of fading while everyone else was on him? Now I think he's viable if you get him in rounds eight, nine, or 10 redraft. And DFS, we're going to be talking about Hurts. You know, he's going to be a quarterback that runs. So, um, but Trey Lance is what you wrote down. Why is that such a good landing spot for fantasy? Yeah, for fantasy, I love it if you're playing specifically in a super flex league. Or, I mean, if you're not, just keep this on your radar for future. You know, this is a guy who has a ton of upside. We talked about the range of outcomes with Lance being pretty wide. You know, he's got a pretty low floor, but his ceiling is through the roof with a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan with fantastic weapons. He's going to a situation with George Kittle, with Brandon Ayuk, with Debo Samuel. You know, these guys are, are legit playmakers, and you just kind of trust the coaching staff to put him in a position to succeed. And if you watch any of his college tape, the dude runs like a running back. Like he's running over defensive backs in the open field. He's really tough to bring down. So when you talk about fantasy, for me at the quarterback position, the way things are shifting in, in our game, the way we play in DFS and the way you play in best ball and those sort of things, it's all about upside and ceiling. And to me, Trey Lance just screams ceiling. So I'm excited to see what he can do in that offense. For worst fantasy landing spot, we both said Kadarius Tony, Because it's so crowded, um, because it's you know a first-round pick that I just don't really understand. Uh, but from a real football perspective, I think it could actually help their team. Like I think he's put in a position where he doesn't have to be the one, you know, he was mocked to a lot of places where like from right away, like if he was going to go to Washington or Chicago, like he was going to have to be the two um, or three or like, he's like the wide receiver four. he's like the fifth option on this team. And so I think from a real football perspective, it's fine. But uh, Katoni or Kadarius Tony is going to be a player that was like, okay, touchdown or bust. Like he's going to be McCole Hardman at best um, in, in year one. But Vegas long shot winner is my next category bets. And it's who did we see just on the board that had the greatest value that we identified earlier? And you mentioned this one a little bit. Yeah, this was the JC Horn pick. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently I got it at plus 900. Uh, and then as well at plus 200 yesterday. So that was probably the best one that I was able to identify early and, and see that come to fruition. But your take was not a popular one, but it was... It was a good one. Yeah. The other news that broke was Sean Lee, the Cowboys linebacker retiring. And I, that didn't influence, you know, me pumping this pick. But on our draft show that we talked about, I mentioned this as one of the best values on the board uh, at plus 800 for the Cowboys to pick a linebacker. And so that really would have to be Micah Parsons is kind of where we had it. And we had him in that range bets. You know, we had him in that 10, 11, 12 range. So you just needed a combination that broke right, and this one did. So uh, Micah Parsons uh, was kind of one of those picks that we had to hold strong on, that he would be the first linebacker taken, and it just happened to be the Cowboys. So that was a good long shot winner if you went there. Still wish Fields would have gone plus 1,600. But uh, but yeah, every year there's a different combination, and we'll probably talk about that every single year. We'll say, okay, here's the top tackle, and it wasn't who we thought it was, or here's the top tackle 
you know, cornerback and you got JC Horn. So that'll be a, a prop to always think about every single year. But after round one, how did your perspective change about the MVP award? We talked a little bit about this. I have a small wager on Dak. I also like Kyler at some of their prices, but um, tell me some guys you like in the MVP market after round one. For sure, man. We got to stick with our, again, I'm calling them our Falcons, your Falcons, uh, here with Matt Ryan. Uh, again, they're doing things that tell us, okay, this is this is it. Like This is your team. We're going to give you everything we can to help you succeed. Uh, there's no way they're trading Julio Jones, in my opinion. I don't think that's real. Um, you have Calvin Ridley. The dude is a monster. You have two of the best uh, wide receivers in the league on, on the same roster. You're getting Kyle Pitts. You are getting a coach who has maximized talent with Ryan Tannehill through years and years in, in Tennessee. And the last time Matt Ryan won an MVP, he played with Kyle Shanahan, who historically uses a ton of play action. He set career highs in yards per attempt, um, all sorts of other metrics that tell us the efficiency should be there, assuming health. And Matt Ryan right now, the price, it's ridiculous. You can get him uh, at plus 3,300, so 33 to 1. He's in the same range right now as guys like Jameis Winston. He's worse odds than Jameis Winston. <laughs> the same as Baker Mayfield. The same as Kirk Cousins. Joe Burrow coming off the ACL. Carson Wentz at plus 4,000. He's not that far behind. Like, come on, man. Matt Ryan deserves more respect. He is one of my favorite long shot MVP candidates. I think he's a, a great selection. Bets, you are getting me pumped up at 5.55 in the morning. I don't have the drop. I wish I did. But I am I am pretty pumped up, and I know as a Falcons fan, it's it's bleeding through right now. But from a football perspective, this guy not only has won an MVP before, but he is in a position where I think he's set up for success. So yeah, I love that long shot. I mean, thirty three hundred is is ridiculous. That should not be that low, and I think it will change a little bit. But um, you also have on here Justin Herbert at eighteen hundred. We mentioned Rashawn Slater um, protecting him last year. Herbert actually had a higher quarterback rating when he was under pressure which is kind of counterintuitive but i think that'll shift and he was money on third down most passing touchdowns on third down so it'll be interesting to see what else they do because they don't have a ton of depth if you look at the chargers roster it's like pretty top heavy with eckler keenan allen uh mike williams in his last year uh jared cook at tight end so it, it'll be interesting to see if like another piece steps up if jalen guyton who we teased last year like but Herbert has the things in place for them to put up uh, a bunch of numbers, a monster year, you know, get 12 wins if they hit that kind of ceiling uh, kind of year. But uh, Jalen Hurts is the long shot. Do you still like Jalen Hurts at plus 5,000? I mean, listen, we're talking about the chances of this happening, right? It's not great. But at 50 to 1 for a team that just added a first round wide receiver and we know for sure now he's the guy this year. I think it's worth a, a low, you know, 10 bucks, like just to see kind of how things play out because we see that these players who have just high ceilings with rushing the football, we saw with Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago, can come out and have ceiling performances. Now, is it in the range of outcomes for that to be the most likely? No, probably not. This is a team that I, I think is going to struggle a little bit this year. But if somehow the Eagles can kind of sneak their way into eight, nine, 10 wins somehow, and Jalen Hurts plays out of his mind, then this bet, I mean, plus 5,000 to me is great value. So again, it's it's not likely, but you're talking about a player who has the same odds as Jimmy Garoppolo, who may not even play 16 or, I guess, 17 games this year. Again, it's just this is identifying misprices in the market and just throwing, throwing a dart and seeing what happens. 
the best part about MVP is there's everyone's a long shot, you know, and only one person can win. And so if you place a couple of small wagers on some of these guys, like let's just use simple numbers. Like if you threw $10 on Dak, $10 on Herbert, $10 on Ryan, and just spread it out between, you know, four or five guys, like you're going to make your money somewhere. If you, you can even put, you know, 10 on Mahomes, whatever it is, like he's a favorite, but uh, MVP is a super fun one. It's not great to tie up your money for months and months on end, but if you're seeing values like this, uh, it does change. Like MVP, you can keep wagering throughout the season. So realize we're, we're not just talking about something that you start before the season, like a win total. This is, you are placing your wager and it can change. So MVP is super fun. Um, but it, it takes a while. Let's talk about one more mentioned this last week, offensive rookie of the year. Does your outlook change at all on who you like in terms of rookie of the year? And here's some of those wagers. Trevor Lawrence at plus 200, Fields at plus 400, Zach Wilson plus 600, Mac Jones plus 700, Pitts plus 1,000, which would be insane for a tight end to win rookie of the year. But I guess if there's anybody, he could do it. And then further down, we mentioned the running backs as kind of values last time. And these will obviously shift a little bit as we know their landing spots, but anything about rookie of the year that changes in your outlook? Not a ton. I, I, again, I think it's sort of, we talked about it already. It's like you, you have to identify players that are going to be on the field early in their rookie career, which is a quarterback or running back. It is rarely is it the other position. So I'm not going to waste uh, my hard earned dollars with bets on these rookie wide receivers. Not saying it's not the right move. I'm just saying that's not my approach. But to me, the best value on the board as of right now is Javante Williams at plus 2,000, in my opinion, because we don't know his landing spot right now, and it's going to change. But he is a guy who is pegged to potentially get some round one buzz as of this week. Clearly, he did not go there, but there are a ton of teams drafting at the top of round two who still need running back help. The Jets, the Falcons, the Dolphins, um, you know, a bunch of other teams here in the middle of the second round. So he's going to get that round two draft capital, and we're going to see him come into a role just like Najee and potentially... Uh, ETN, where he could be the guy year one, and he's way, way down there compared to the other guys. You're talking about ETN at plus 1400 and Najee at plus 1200. Again, I think that's a misprice. I like Williams there at plus 2000. Yeah, I think I think the running backs are the values. Najee Harris obviously makes a ton of sense at plus 1600, but I do like Javante depending on the landing spot. Uh, wouldn't hate it if he ended up in Atlanta with our round two pick uh, from a fantasy perspective, but. Any other names, just as we're closing, that you are looking out for on day two and day three that you're interested in? Yeah, we just talked about him. I'm, I'm really interested to see where Javante Williams goes. I think he'd be a star for fantasy in the right system. Um, and he'll get the draft capital. I'm also really inter- interested to see where Elijah Moore goes. He was a guy who a lot of people had talked about getting some buzz to the Titans um, early in the 20s in the NFL draft, potentially to the Packers. Etc. So he didn't go to any of those teams. So he's still on the board. There's a lot of teams that need playmaker in the second round. So I'm really, really intrigued to see where he goes because he's a guy who's getting a lot of buzz in Dynasty. Yeah, Elijah Moore was was my pick as well in the sense of he's probably going to start from day one and he's going to be in a position where he's going to have these kind of boom games, maybe from the slot, you know, outside. He's just he's in the mold of a player that can do something from day one. Uh mentioned Kenneth Gainwell. We'll see how NFL teams feel about him. Like we, from a fan perspective, we're like, cool, this guy catches the ball. We're going to be able to use him this year, but um, he's someone. And then I'll just also mention Trey Sermon. 
there could be a team that looks at him and says he's a day two pick and he could be an early down guy. And it might be more annoying than anything else from a fantasy perspective, but Trey Sermon uh, can handle a big workload and that's interesting for fantasy. I want to mention this and bets you can get hyped up about this too. Underdog Fantasy just mentioned a, and they tease this on their Twitter, but their best ball mania this year for best ball drafts, the first prize bets, get this, is a cool Millie. Do you, would you like a cool Millie in your pocket? I mean, I was planning on winning the, uh, the Millie maker this year, but I guess that this is fine too. So yeah, I'll take a million. You could just do it in best ball and then you can leave the actual DFS contest to me. And then there we go. <laughs> and then once again, folks, that means bets and I quit. So just so you know, if you're looking for advice from this podcast, if we win the Millie Maker, we won't be back the next week. But yeah, we're going to be talking about best ball the next couple of weeks. And Bets and I are going to release later on this month our best ball rankings that him and I are going to collaborate on together for Underdog. And that's just something that's so fun for us to talk about. So in June specifically, after you and I finish a lot of our UDK stuff and we get into team projections We're going to have a whole month where we talk about best ball, talk about roster construction, talked about what we've done wrong in the past and maybe some ways to fix that. But um, I'm really excited because there's just different seasons about football. If you're listening right now, the end of April, like we just went through this pre-draft process. Now we know some of the landing spots. All right. And we get to think about that in projections and teams. Then we get to go into best ball season. We're like, okay, what's going to have what can i project then we get into july and we start talking about theory and strategy and in august we're going to just talk about how you take down a dfs tournament so why bets why are we talking about best ball why does that matter so much if people have never really done it before why is it so fun and honestly addictive it is (laughs) definitely it is check my my underdog account if you don't believe me uh it is a ton of fun it's it's a good way to get a, a sense of you know prepping for a redraft league obviously it's also a good way to tell us and get information about how the general public views these players because again this, these are real drafts people are putting money on these drafts and so it's not just like a casual mock draft with your buddies on yahoo or on espn or something like that you're getting actual people that are, are developing adp so it's a good way to see and identify as the summer goes on you know where can you get guys at a value and where a guy is going to be kind of too highly drafted in your opinion and you can make your decisions that way the other way that i like to do it is that it gets you uh, the ability to kind of get ahead of of what you think could happen. So if you're projecting the team to be better than most people think, you're going to get these guys at extreme values in May, June, July versus in August when other people are kind of kind of feel like fully getting on board with these. So it's a good way to get ahead of the market and then again identify ADP mismatches. That's going to do it for us for our round one reactions. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. Go Kyle Pitts. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.